So monthly confession. It's a long time since it has been very good advice to anybody who's serious about the spiritual life to go to confession very regularly and as much as once a month. And any of us who go to confession, as we all do, we know that it brings along with it its difficulties. It can be difficult to go. It's not always the easiest thing in the world to do. But we can zoom out and look at it from many perspectives, particularly from the perspective of the Lord, and ask him what it is that is most important to him in this sacrament. St. Augustine described the confessional as the medicine box, and rightly so, and Lucas pointed out to us on the first day that, uh, and reminded us that the sacrament of the anointing of the sick is right beside the sacrament of reconciliation in the catechism and listed as a sacrament of healing. So the first thing the Lord wants for us and is most important to him is our healing, our well-being, our growth. He wants to look into our souls, and he does, and he wants to give us his healing grace. And that indicates, of course, that yes, we need healing. We are in need of it, each of us, whether we know it or not. And the Lord knows it most certainly, and he knows exactly what we need. So when we look at ourselves and we examine our consciences, and Anne uh, has talked about and will be talking about how to be in our consciences, it's a safe place, it's a sanctuary, it's not a place where we go to beat ourselves up. But we do, in the contemplative prayer structure, have one space reserved for examining the conscience, looking at the things that we've done wrong, the things that we might have been off in our spirit when we did them, simply things we've, uh, sins we have committed. So we know we have to do that. We're all imperfect, and we're all in need of the Lord's grace and his healing. Now, something to remember when going to confession. Has anyone ever been embarrassed? This is a rhetorical question, no hands up. But ask yourself the question, have you been embarrassed going into the priest? Have you felt awkward in saying to the priest what it was he had done wrong? Did you think, oh, he's going to think I'm so bad, or he's going to think poorly of me, especially a priest that I might know. He's going to think badly. He won't be able to look at me now the same way again. Maybe these thoughts haven't occurred to you and I'm the only one who's got such big things to confess in the confessional that I'm the only one who has those thoughts. But I think we've all had the experience of being uh, finding it awkward to say out loud the thing we've done in the presence of another person. And yet, the priest also has to go to confession. Remember that. The priest goes and he sits or kneels or stands or whatever in front of one of his brother priests and says the very same words as everybody else, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. So we priests also have that experience. And does anybody here prefer to go to a priest they don't know? Can we do a hands up on this? Does anyone prefer? You prefer to go to a priest that you don't know? Okay. Well, cry me a river. I've no sympathy for you. You have to find a priest you don't know. How hard do you think it is for me to find a priest I don't know within a 40-mile radius. So don't ever be worried about the fact that this priest knows me. We're not that bothered. I have to go in and I go to a priest whom I will know, generally and usually, and have to say what I've done wrong. And then I've also had the experience where it's not unusual. The priest is wearing the stole. And I go into confession, I make my confession. He will very often, and I've done this too, take the stole off and he'll say, now here, will you put that on and will you hear my confession? 
And so there's this um, uh, exchange of ministry that can take place. So, you know, when you think of it, the priest knows what it is to hear confession and to make his confession. So he knows it can be awkward. So don't ever worry about what he thinks or that he's going to remember this now when I see him on the street next week. And he's going to be thinking in the front of his mind, oh yeah, she did that, oh wow, oh my gosh, he did that. God, I can't look at him or her the same way again. No, the priest is not thinking like that. Now, even in the case where, and it's, it's rare, you know, that something really shocking can come up in the confession or something really, really serious is confessed, what overrides even that in the memory of the priest and in his experience of it, is witnessing and being privileged to witness the relief and the experience of mercy that the person making their confession experiences. Now that's more memorable than anything. The person receiving God's mercy, it's very impressive. It's awe-inspiring. That's what we tend to recall and remember not the sins that a person confesses, because in a sense they're not our business, they're none of our business. It's for the penitent to bring up what's troubling and to confess it and to leave it there. doesn't have to get into a big long discourse about it at all. Um, and we'll talk about that in class today a bit more. But that's what we're entitled to do. We're entitled to go in, confess our sins and leave them there and leave it there. And it is but for me as a priest to witness and to stand in, in persona Christi, as they call it, in the person of Christ to, to mediate that, um, that exchange between us and Christ. So that's about the human practicalities of uh, going to confession. The priest knows what it's like. He has to go himself and he knows it can be awkward. But we're always talking about the, the, the actions we commit and the things that we refrain from committing. So we've got the sins we commit and then the omissions, things we neglect to do. The, and they can be sometimes even more serious than the things we do really and, and we can neglect to think of them sometimes. I didn't bother helping that person when I could have. I, was, I just didn't bother. That's worse than going over and slapping them in the face in a way because we had an opportunity for goodness and an opportunity to do something well, and we didn't do it. So we're always looking out for, yes, the things we've done wrong, yes, the things we haven't done. But then we also have to go a layer deeper. We have to look at more so, and this is where a mature examination of conscience comes in and a mature approach to confession comes in, where I go deeper and I look at my motivation and the spirit that was in me. What's Within what spirit did I do such a thing? What was in my heart, in my mind? Was I really jealous? Was there jealousy in there? Was I envious? Was it just anger that motivated me in that, that drove me, a spirit of anger? And it's good to go a layer deeper and look at these things and not to be the least bit afraid of what we find. We should never be afraid of finding things that we're not going to like in the, the furthest reaches of our hearts and sometimes not very far down at all. That we don't have to scratch the surface very much but that we find you know, a bit of jealousy there, an insecurity and a jealousy that leaves me vulnerable to being unpleasant or acting in a particular way that can be hurtful to others. And we should never be afraid of doing that examination. 
Never being afraid of finding out those things. Because Christ knows them anyway. He knows all those. He knows us perfectly. Knows us, every piece of us. There's no unknown corner of us where the Lord is concerned. So we should never be afraid of what we find because he still loves us anyway. He's ready to forgive us. His mercy is ours at every turn. But it's we who are afraid, and maybe it's afraid of ourselves we are, not of him, and we put it on him. So he knows everything that's in our hearts. We remember that, and we put that in front of our, of our minds. And um, so we look for the attitude, look for the spirit within which we're doing something, an important thing to do. And then what is the most pleasing sacrifice to the Lord? What's the most pleasing thing we can give to the Lord? This one you can shout out if you have a thought. What's the thing that pleases him most? Think about it. When he looks at me, what pleases him most about me? Anybody want to offer anything? I won't torture you for too long with it, I promise. Yes. Okay, thank you, Emma. Well done, Emma. Yes, it is indeed. Yes, gold star for Emma. Well done. So the Lord looks at the hearts and he looks past the things we've done wrong and he looks into the depths of our hearts. That's what he's really looking for and inviting us to do the same. And what would he like to find? Well, Sam... 51 teaches us it says indeed you love truth in the heart then in the secret of my heart teach me wisdom a pure heart create for me O god put a steadfast spirit in me for in sacrifice you take don't no delight burnt offering from me you would refuse my sacrifice a contrite spirit a humbled contrite heart you will not spurn so that's what's most important to the Lord, what he, what he wants to uh, receive from us. And he's eager for us to present for our benefit and to make us closer to him. A pure, contrite heart. One where the motivations are examined, where we're not afraid to find out what's in there. Like when moving house. Anybody here moved house and you move your dorm room at the end of the year? And you think, oh, I have to move this dorm room and there's all kinds of junk that has accumulated in it and I don't know what I'm going to find under the bed, what is in the furthest reaches of the bed underneath there, all kinds of stuff that has just accumulated and trash. And, um, and then there could be, this is the same with the heart. We have to dig in there sometimes and get under the bed and see what is in here, what have I left there that I've forgotten about, that needs to come out, needs to be just discarded and thrown away. It could be the old grudge that we hold against somebody who behaved badly towards us in the past. It could be unforgiveness. It could be a wound that we need to examine, something that was done to us that we are still limping from. It could be uh, something we've done ourselves, something wrong we've done that we've never really looked at the full consequences of or the implications of it for the person we hurt. It could be um, a bad attitude. It could be a rotten attitude. It could be um, a tendency towards sarcasm, maybe, where we're kind of mean towards people with our humour. could be something like that. We find that under the bed at the end of the year. And the Lord knows those things are all there, and he would be so delighted with us if we would take them out and examine them and say, 
that's not me. I'm not doing that anymore. It's not going to be me. I'm discarding that. And these are the things that the Lord would really be ultimately pleased if we go a layer deeper than just the actions, although they're extremely important because they're an expression of what's going on further down. And if we get to the root of it in our attitudes, then we have a wonderful opportunity for great progress and a mature growth in our spirituality. So that's enough of that for the moment, says you. Okay, I agree. And uh, today in class, we'll be looking at as well uh, spirituality, which can be sin-based spirituality, and we're not about that. As Anne has pointed out, we're about a virtue-based spirituality. Virtue and sin cannot coexist. So the more virtue we place in there, the more our tendencies towards sinful behaviours get displaced and put out. So we focus on being generous and being kind, not on being not selfish, on being not unkind. That's not what we're about. We focus on the positive virtues and we look to, to um, do them more and with greater enthusiasm. And then the sins, they fall away.